Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. With the ship exploding around them, droids R2-D2 and C-3PO head to an escape pod. They watch as the ship they just departed explodes into ashes. Landing on a desert planet, they begin their long walk to find another human. But it is then that a warp portal opens in front of them and Stewie Griffin reveals himself. Give me the Death Star plans. I got things to do. Stewie says, and the droids know that in order to save the rebellion, they will have to smash this toddler. It's droids versus an infant. It's AI versus super genius. It's R2-D2 and C-3PO versus Stewie Griffin. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus, Legion of Audience. If you've ever wanted an episode that proves that Who Would Win offers the most unique battles in geek history, this would be it. In one corner, you have Stewie Griffin, a diabolical baby genius with a British accent and a thirst for world domination, versus R2-D2 and C-3PO, the odd couple of the Star Wars universe, with R2-D2 being the beep-poop and C-3PO being the oh-my to their many misadventures. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And not only has this matchup never been discussed before in the history of the universe, I checked, it actually came this close to starting a brawl at my daughter's friend's birthday party when I brought it up. So, yeah, we're bringing you, the Legion of Audience, another premier geek culture matchup. And as always, you're welcome. Ray, what are your thoughts in today's battle? I have absolutely no idea, James Gavsey. This is one of the oddest matchups we've ever done in show history. And we've done some weird things. Now, R2-D2 and C-3PO, you, I will say right now for the people at home, I'm going to pull back that curtain. James Gavsey has been begging the board to get R2-D2 on the show for like three years now. Three full seasons of the show, he comes in with R2-D2 like every few months or so as a new suggestion. And every time they're like, what does R2-D2 even do? How would he even be on the show? <laughs> and James is like, I got it. I got it. Just let me do it. The board's like, uh, stamp of disapproval. No. And so finally, I don't know. I guess we must have been up against it because here comes James once again with the R2-D2 selection. And we've got the duo of droids versus super genius Stewie Griffin. I don't know. This is going to be crazy. This is some of the strangest research I've ever had to do for the show. Look, I'm here for a fight. We'll see how it goes. This is the Who Would Win show race to Canis. Look, we could do... Uh, okay, let me really pull back the curtain. We love any type of podcast or video or show that does these versus battles. We really do. As long as they do their research, they come to their own conclusions. We're fans of all of it. But what we have to do, Ray, is stay competitive. And we have a culture. We have a brand with the Who Would Win show, which is we take battles that no one would ever put together. And when we do and do our battle, everyone says, you know what? This makes so much sense. Of course, this works. That's what we do. Why wouldn't you take R2-D2, who's an absolute treasure, by the way, Give him a C-3PO. Fine. Why not? That's a cool thing. And Stewie Griffin, I got to tell you, couldn't come up with a better opponent. Look, I'm going to keep pushing. Ray, you keep pushing. I know we don't always see eye to eye, but this is what we do for the show. We're going to keep doing strange things, but this is what makes the show work. Look, here's the deal. Ray, I really been wanting to talk to you about this. Ever since I became a dad, I've had to work extra hard to cultivate my passions in geek culture and and come up with crazier cool things to do the show you know responsibilities all that kind of good stuff you're a dad you're a great dad i'm gonna just say it right there and you know there you go you still spend a lot of time gaming i gotta ask you does being a parent get in the way of any of your geek culture passions 
I mean, obviously the answer is yes. Having a kid means I now no longer wake up at noon on most days. I wake up at about 6.30 a.m. most days, which definitely cuts into my ability to stay up till four in the morning playing video games, which is the life I used to know. So to let the Legion of Audience know this, one time I asked Ray for advice. And by the way, it was the one and only time I'll ever do such a thing. And I said, Ray, yeah, just I the don't one. understand. Just one thing, right? I said, Ray, I don't get it. How are you able to watch so much anime, play so many hours in, in, in video games and so many different things and just stay up to date with all of this? I have a hard time doing this in any way, shape, or form, but yet you have no problem doing it. And I'll never forget your answer to me, Ray. You said... Just make it happen. I have no idea how that works, but somehow Ray Stacanus, the genius of Ray Stacanus, can make that work. Last piece of advice, Ray, how do you actually consume so much? Please, I really need to know this because I'm I'm backwards on all of it. This is very important, and for the people at home, you can you can use one simple tip to to revolutionize your entire life. That's right. I'll be selling a seven-part course on a Discord server, but that's another time for another day. The thing and the big key you need to know about how to manage your day-to-day affairs and also play video games, watch TV shows, do all the above. Here it is. Don't sleep. If you just never sleep, you have lots of hours to get everything done. Now, you won't get everything done well. That is Mm. the trade-off that you have to make here. But will it get done? Sometimes. That's equal parts insane, terrifying, and actually quite brilliant. Uh, I'm not sure I can follow that. Let's see what our judge has to say about all of this. Making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. You know him from the Kevin Hart LOL Network. It's comedian extraordinaire. It's Kevin Israel. Kevin, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thanks for having me back, guys, for this bonkers episode. I wouldn't want to actually have to deal with two serious characters. I'm, I'm excited about this this uh, little thruple you have going on. Well, well, your name came up very quickly as the right judge for this episode, and and <laughs> I actually kind of wholeheartedly agree with it. Um, now, before we kind of get into this, tell our fan base, Legion of Audience, what you've been up to. Again, Kevin Israel. I'm a stand-up comedian based out of New Jersey. I perform all over. You can find me at kevinisrael.com for my calendar dates and Kevin Israel on all social media and whatnot. Okay, you're actually insanely funny. I recommend everyone check out what you do, but you've, you're recently kind of a newish dad. Is that correct? Yeah, I have a uh, I have a 14-month-old son. Okay, I'm sure it's done nothing uh, in terms of interrupt, you know, your pursuits of your passion, your work, and all that kind of good stuff. On a scale of 1 <laughs> to 10, 1 to 10, in terms of Kevin Israel pre-baby, Kevin Israel right now, where would you be in terms of, like, saying your regular life of working out, pursuing, you know, your geek culture stuff? Where are you now? Kevin Israel 10 being, like, my ultimate, I was able to do whatever I want, and Kevin Israel 1 being... I'm living on an island somewhere because I can't do anything. I'd say I'm at about six and a half. That is correct. That is correct. Maybe six, six and a half. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's much better than where I was. Okay. And, and you heard Ray Sikanis' advice of not sleeping. Is that also your advice for kind of being able to do what you do? Or what would you tell all of us who are geek enthusiasts and also I'll tell you you know, what. happy parents? It all comes down to my wife. She does everything. And I just bumble along behind her trying to pick up the slack and find somebody, find a partner who can do everything. And then you can do whatever the hell you want. That works. Yeah. I mean, it does. She's a machine sent from the future to raise this baby. And I'm just kind of in the way. Hmm. And that's okay. And she doesn't expect she I set the bar very low in our relationship early on. So anything I do achieve. Yeah, I mean, I she, Wait, what? She, she married a juvenile idiot. So anything I do well, she's just shocked by. So every you know few days I try to do something well and right. And I feel I get my little, you know, check mark and I, I move on. So I don't I don't really have to do a lot. Man, you are playing some 4D chess here. And I'm going to say right now, I admire it. <laughs> I say you're more playing with fire. That's what you're doing right now. Listen. With oh, all very this. dangerous. This is a very dangerous game he's playing. Yes. Is, is, it a, is it the 4D fire version of chess you're doing? I am, but, um, I am hanging by hey, strings. If it works. It's, it's def- this whole this house of cards is going to collapse on me any minute. 
but I every day I just count as a new blessing that she still lets me do what I am able to do. Kevin Israel, I saw the band Rammstein play live in concert in Grand Rapids, Michigan years ago. And during their uh, self-titled song, Rammstein, the lead singer of the band wears a giant overcoat and sets himself on fire. And he sets himself on fire, and the flames grow 10, 12 feet in the air above him until finally, at one point, about two-thirds of the way through the song, he collapsed on stage. And I've never been worried about someone as I did for the lead singer of Rammstein in that moment than you talking about your relationship. I am more worried for you now than I was for him then. Don't worry about me. Listen, man. I've got It's all under control. It's, it's, she doesn't want to see what's going on behind the curtain. It's all fine. That's fine. And to be fair, the lead singer of Rammstein did in fact survive and was fine. And it was all part of the show. So here's the deal. I guess we're all good. hundred percent. I mean, the biggest takeaway from this entire conversation is that Ray and I have in common the fact that we both love, uh, I call him Ramstein because I just don't know how to pronounce things. Rammstein. We both like Rammstein. This is incredible. Ray, you and I have grown closer does this mean like we're best friends now? Don't Are we... count on it, Gavsy. I'm just ex- I'm just excited to find the two people who like Rammstein. Right. It's just us and Vin Diesel in the Triple X movie. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's so true. All right. Listen, Kevin, despite this emotional breakthrough that Ray and I have had, it's time to do battle in the Who Would Win Arena. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Star Wars, the duo so profane they had to bleep out every single word of one of them, R2-D2 and C-3PO. And representing Family Guy, the toddler who's so evil he got an entire generation into show tunes, Stewie Griffin. It's pretty evil right there. All right, well done right now. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, I think there are only... We're both on the same page here. You're using Stewie Griffin from the Family Guy cartoon. I'm using R2-D2 and C-3PO from canon Star Wars. Are we on the same page? Is this another emotional breakthrough for us, Race to Canis? No, I I have to imagine. I had to imagine you weren't going to go Legends because, as we've said before, fan fiction has no place on the Who Would Win show. So, yes, canon (laughs) R2-D2 and C-3PO and canon TV show Stewie Griffin. Let's get it on. Two emotional breakthroughs in one episode. Legion of Audience. This is going to be good. All right, rule number four. No fan fiction, everybody. No fan fiction. Get it out of here. <laughs> there are video games made off like the legends. Okay, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, like legends, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of debate is whoever the judge decides. Has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to leave the Who Would Win show a five-star rating and a fantastic written review wherever you listen to podcasts. It makes Ray happy. It makes me happy. And that'll be like a third emotional breakthrough in this episode of the Who Would Win show. Everyone wants that. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. 
Indeed's going to do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Stewie Griffin. Stuart Gilligan Griffin is a genius toddler from the TV show Family Guy. He was created and voiced by Seth MacFarlane and first appeared in episode one of Family Guy, which was titled Death Has a Shadow in 1999. Stewie is a very active toddler who thinks and talks like an adult human. Originally, his deal was that he lusted for world domination and killing of his mother, Lois. Having cast aside most of those initial character tropes, Stewie is now a cheerful, risque two-year-old whose best friend is the family dog, Brian. Stewie, from his inception, however, has always been a genius-level intellect and is capable of creating machines that defy the laws of science. Fun fact, Stewie's ability to communicate with others is always a strange conundrum for Family Guy, as sometimes it seems like absolutely everyone can understand him, but other times it's only Brian the dog. They even made reference to it in like a future uh, version in a, a throwaway moment in Family Guy where they're like, so what's the deal? Can the baby be understood? Well, officially, at least according to Seth MacFarlane, Brian can always hear what Stewie says, and more recently, so does Chris. But... The writers usually strive to have Peter, Lois, and Meg not be able to hear or understand him at all. But And once Stewie leaves the house, the question of who can hear him depends very much on the story. McFarlane says that these rules can be broken for the sake of comedy at any time, so there is no consistency here. And so everything can change from episode to episode, because really, at the end of the day, who cares? And that is Stewie Griffin. Very interesting. I always wondered about that, by the way. All right, really cool. Now, here are the details for R2-D2 and C-3PO. Now, the characters of R2-D2 and C-3PO were created by George Lucas, obviously, and first appeared in Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, which was released in 1977, obviously. R2-D2 and C-3PO are clearly two of the most iconic characters from the Star Wars franchise. R2-D2 is an astromech droid designed for spacecraft maintenance and repair, while C-3PO is a protocol, protocol droid programmed for etiquette and... Uh, Protocol, obviously. R2-D2 and C-3PO have proven to be resilient characters surviving through decades of war throughout the Star Wars films and animated series. They have witnessed some of the most important events in the galaxy, from the rise of the Empire to the defeat of the First Order. Despite the challenges they face, R2-D2 and C-3PO remain an integral part of the Star Wars story, serving as a reminder of the resilience and enduring spirit of the characters in the franchise. And here's an interesting fact about C-3PO and R2-D2. Did you know that those two characters were inspired by classic Japanese cinema? It's true. The dynamic interaction between these two iconic Star Wars characters was directly inspired by two characters by the name of Tahe and Matashichi, two Japanese peasants in the samurai film Hidden Fortress, which came out in 1958. Now, these two, and I'm using air quotes, clownish peasants who act as the viewpoint of the audience accidentally get embroiled in a rescue attempt of a princess. The two bumble and argue, but over the course of the film, it becomes clear that they care about each other very deeply, which exactly mirrors the relationship between R2-D2 and C-3PO. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Kevin, do you have any questions before we get started? No, I'm familiar with all the characters involved in this, and I am champing at the bit to see and witness this fight. You know, I feel like the word champing is, like, really underused in today's society. Kevin Goatee uh, of Gutting the Sacred Cow and I always were very specific because people say chomping, and it is not. And I feel champing. I feel Stewie Griffin would know that. We feel I feel like the word champing should be used more. Like in the sentence, Ray was champing season four of the Who Would Win show and is our current champing. 
All right, Race to Canis, drinking Pepsi Max. Hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Stewie Griffin. Now, we're going to talk about some of the inventions because the thing Stewie Griffin is really known for throughout all of Family Guy is having just strange inventions to create plots that are silly and clownish and fun. And so here's just a short list that I found online of all the things, that the main things, I should say, that he has created. Stewie Griffin has constructed advanced fighter jets. He is a two-year-old with limited resources. I still don't know where he finds the money, where he gets the resources to make this stuff. He's a very industrious child. He's made advanced fighter jets. Think like Top Gun Maverick. He's created mind control devices. He's created a weather dominator, just like Destro from G.I. Joe. And this one probably worked even better than Destro's, which is in fact saying something. Stewie has created a teleportation device so he can zap people and have them go point A to point B in a split second. Of course, Stewie has created droids and robots. That is probably very important against characters who are in fact droids slash robots. If anybody knows that's going to be facing these two, how to shut them down very, very quickly, whether it's with a jolt of electricity, whether it's with some sort of command code, you know Stewie Griffin has the answer, but he doesn't stick to inorganics. He's also made clones as well. This is a guy who's made time machines. We did Kang the Conqueror not very long ago. Stewie Griffin, if he wanted to be, could be Kang the Conqueror. And we're talking Kang the Conqueror against two droids. Two droids who don't really fight anybody in Star Wars. What are we even doing here? He also created a multiverse transporter, a shrinking pod, as well as a bunch of weapons, laser guns, rocket launchers, uh, crossbows. This is a guy who created a VR simulation so he could see what would happen if he actually tried to kill Lois and do it for good, right? And he ended up getting shot in the chest by Peter Griffin, his father. <laughs> who started using the wrong catchphrases right afterwards. And it was absolutely hilarious. Bad for Stewie, so he dropped the kill mom plan. Why? Because he knew that it would ultimately lead to his own demise through a VR unit he invented. He invented it. And this is the guy who also had just with him at one time an Ant-Man, you know, Pym Particle Ray that could shrink or grow things. So somebody threw a truck and it got shrunk. He threw it up in the air, shot the gun to make it grow so it would land on the person that he was facing. He's also invented cryo chambers to help you travel time forward the fast way. He also created a spaceship that can shrink and go inside the human body, much like we've seen on shows like, what is it, the Magic School Bus? He's got a magic school bus that he just invented. And maybe my favorite thing that he ever invented was a teleporter, a working Star Trek teleporter that he used to teleport the entire cast of Star Trek The Next Generation into his bedroom so he could like hang out with them. This is a guy who knows what he wants and can get it done at a moment's notice without even thinking about it. He has an array of gadgets and technology that's even way more advanced than Star Wars technology, which doesn't have teleporters, does it? So at the end of the day, I've got a guy with future, future, future tech, and James is repping two droids from a galaxy far, far away from a time long, long ago. I screwed up the quote. Shut up. I don't care. That's my point number one. I'd like to go to the judge and ask for a win for Ray screwing up that uh, iconic quote <laughs> and hurting uh, many uh, children and men such as myself who have the mentality of children. Judge, what do you say? I, I feel like the internet backlash will be sufficient to punish him and the fight shall continue. That's a fair statement. All right. Let me push back on a couple of things here. Listen, Stewie's an amazing inventor. He's great. I love his inventions. He adva creates advanced tech. But the fact is, he doesn't carry all this tech on him. He's got a few things on him at any one time. But the, his great inventions, the bigger thing. Remember, these are some huge, huge things. That spaceship that goes into the insidey places of Peter Griffin. Great episode, by the way. That's not something he has on him. He has to go into his secret chamber uh, on the side of his bedroom and kind of access and put it together. That takes time. That takes space. That takes Stewie Griffin having to go to those things. Remember, this is a random encounter fight. No previous knowledge. He has no time to prepare for it. So he doesn't have access to all this future tech. 
back, which is a shame because that could have been really cool, but he just doesn't have it. So let me get to my point number one. And for my point number one, let's talk about the weapons and capabilities of R2-D2 and C-3PO. Look, let's start with R2-D2. I love this. I'm just calling him a guy. So for your information, R2-D2 weighs somewhere between 300 and 400 pounds. Doesn't factor in this fight. I just like those kind of facts. Uh, as I mentioned before, he's an astromech, which means he can survive in space easily. And they're designed to plug into, you know, space fighters, X-Wings, and all that kind of good stuff, which means he has to be insanely durable because he's being shot at in the middle of battle while he's plugged into these spaceships. Now, keep in mind that he's tank blasters uh, from different soldiers, from stormtroopers. He's tank being shot by TIE fighters. Look, Think about that for a second. A TIE fighter shoots him. It, it, it definitely damages him, but he's still operational. This thing is insanely uh, durable. Fun fact, R2-D2 has kind of a healing factor because he's got a self-repair protocol. I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. That's what I do. I find out cool facts like this. So amongst his allies and friends, R2-D2 is regarded as a hero of a thousand devices because he's equipped with a tool that can pretty much get him and his friends out of any crisis they find themselves to be in. He's kind of like a living, breathing, but way smarter, sentient version of Batman's utility belt. Let me tell you why. Okay, he's got an electric shock prod where R2-D2 can just shoot out this shock prod. It gives super powerful electric shocks. It can stun someone or render them completely unconscious. He's done this to soldiers. He's done this to adversaries. He's done this to monsters or huge monster beings. It's really cool. RTD has limited flight. He's got that rocket booster at the bottom so he can fly up to certain distances, get out of there really quick. And as Race Kane has said, if you can fly and you got the aerial advantage, you're winning this fight. Uh, he's got a fire extinguisher. He's used that to distract his opponents many times. Shoots that in their eyes or whatever. He's got a smoke screen to do the same thing. He's got a flamethrower. A flamethrower that you can use from larger ranges. I love this. He's got a fusion cutter. Now, this is really cool. It's a super powerful cutting and welding torch with an energy blade that he has because why not? That's what he has. Don't let him get in close to Stewie Griffin. That's going to end up really bad for him. He's got a cool and pretty powerful buzzsaw at the end of one of his cool mechanical arms. He can shoot out oil to blind his enemies or set the oil on fire because he's kind of, you know, a mental case when it comes to fighting. More on that later. Uh, he's got incredible ground maneuverability. You know, he's not necessarily the fastest droid, but he can move at cool angles and kind of get himself out of danger really quick. By the way, he's a master hacker. There's nothing that R2-D2 can't hack into in terms of tech and completely override it or take it over. He's done that to other droids. He's done that to a Star Destroyer. He took down the shields that then brought down the protection of the Death Star. This thing can hack, R2-D2 can hack into anything that Stewie Griffin's going to bring out because that's what he does. Again, he's truly sentient because he went past his programming. That's what he did. It's really cool. Now, for C-3PO, let's face it, he's a little less made for pure combat, but he's got some really cool things going for him to fight. Now, number one, he has a little bit of a Deadpool thing going for him. Let me explain that. If you blow off one of his arms, he's still functional. If you do that to Stewie Griffin, hurt him that way, he's going to be out of the fight. He's done. Rip off a leg, take off an arm. C-3PO is still in it to win it. Now, he, of course, he can speak over 7 million languages from the Star Wars universe. Why is that even important, you might ask? Because his main weapon is the fact, and I'm using this from the Star Wars wiki, he has a, he's a distracting conversationalist. Look, We've all seen that C-3PO has that built-in tendency to talk a lot, distracts his enemies with his etiquette and his protocols or makes them think something really different. This gives his allies an opening to strike and take out anything that's in their way. Look, if you think my intoxicating mind fog is dangerous and really powerful, which it is, by the way, it is nothing compared to what C-3PO can do with his devilish way of convincing people that he's something else or convincing them, position themselves, whatever. He's got himself out of trouble so many times. It's literally his secret weapon. Look, Stewie Griffin has done his fair share of fighting, not going to lie, but he has not faced off against a dynamic duo quite like R2-D2 and C-3PO. That's my point number one. Oh boy, oh boy. Where do I even start with that pile of malarkey? Look, you talked, well, I'm going to first off rebut your rebuttal because, you know, you say, oh, Stewie doesn't carry all those things with him at all times. James, how many of those things is he going to need in this fight? One laser pistol should quite frankly be enough to start there. And a guy with a teleporter who has a room full of his stuff always has access to a room full of his stuff. I think that the Rick Sanchez episode we just did pretty much establishes that same point. I just said, you're actually going to sit here and tell me that R2-D2 tanked a TIE fighter shot making that trench run. He got hit once and was out of commission. They had to pull him out with a crane and he was fried. He couldn't do anything. He once got knocked down by Jawas, for gosh sakes. What are you talking about with durability here? And why can't R2-D2 talk? This bothers me. You know why he can't talk, James? Why it's his bleeps and boops? Yet C-3PO knows every language known to mankind? Because R2 
R2-D2 is a lower level droid. He's a cheapie. He's the Wish version of a trash can, okay? And his range, his range is like three inches. You described a, a, a little lighter. He's got a Bic lighter for God's sakes. Oh no, he's got a little stun thing that you have to be literally pressed up against him for him to use. He's getting wrecked in this battle. And flight, you really think he's flying around like he's Iron Man? He goes in one direction and crash lands. What are you even talking about in this battle? This is embarrassing. Obviously, you haven't watched The Clone Wars the same way I did, at least. All right, listen. Kevin Israel, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where is your head at so far with this battle? My head is in a fog, man. This is this is like a stoner's dream, this argument. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I started off and I was like, oh, this the Star Wars crew has this. The uh, robotic Burton Ernie. There's no way they don't take this one. But I got to tell you, baby football head is starting to sound. He's starting to sound like he might dominate this one. I, I, I think I'm leaning, leaning family guy right now. I mean, you've been wrong before, so I'm not holding that against you. <laughs> but that's fine. The, the, the battle still has a lot more to play out. Ray Sicanus. Let's see what you got for your point number two. Point number two for Stewie Griffin. I want to talk about how dangerous this baby is. R2-D2 and C-3PO are fine. We've seen them do mild damage occasionally to very small foes like Ewoks and Jawas. And we've seen them get their clocks cleaned repeatedly over the course of several movies and television shows. Meanwhile, Stewie Griffin is a stone-cold criminal murderer. <laughs> this is a guy who has no bleeps left to give, if you forgive my use of the word bleep. Some of the crimes listed off, and I found a great list here, of all of the crimes that Stewie Griffin has committed just on the show. He has committed armed robbery. He has committed aggravated assault. He's carjacked people before like he was Trevor Phillips in GTA 5. He'll just steal your vehicle. And if he can steal your vehicle, he could probably steal your droid too. But he's gone loan sharking, forgery. He's killed off many different characters on the TV show Family Guy. Now, they were all minor characters, mind you. He tried to kill Lois, but he did it in VR. It didn't work out, but that's just how he is. He knew Lois would be a challenge, so he invented an entire, like, Doctor Strange scenario for himself so he could try something, and when it didn't work, he's like, okay, that didn't work. I guess she's going to stay my mom. But the way he's killed characters on the TV show, he's used a tank before. He's used lots and lots of guns. In fact, he's just pulling out weapons, crossbows, whatever he can find, baseball bats, and he just straight up murders people. In the middle of a fight, he just reached down and pulled out a switchblade that was like uh, uh, taped to his ankle. And he just pulled it out and then stabbed that person all the way through their arm. This is a guy who's always prepared. That's an important thing to remember when James tells you he won't have all his stuff, but he'll have what he needs. That's how he's written. That's how he fights. He's also shockingly a great hand-to-hand -hand fighter. If you watch Stewie Griffin fight on the show, He's using parries, dodges, blocks. He's doing somersaults to get out of the way. He's using lots of strikes and combos, as well as the hidden weapons that he'll pull out to use kind of in a surprise moment. You know, like when Greedo shot first and then Han Solo pulled out his gun and shot him. Just like that, that's how Stewie Griffin will pull people down. He fought Lois in that VR scenario and punched her repeatedly, headbutt her like five times in the face, dropping her down to the ground several times in that fight. Lois is a grown adult human being, and Stewie is a very agile, surprisingly strong two-year-old. Any two-year-old that can beat any adult is worth talking about as a great fighter. Not just a good fighter, a great fighter. But he's also got that mean streak in him as well. And you know what I'm talking about. He is a guy who when he decides he's done with you, he will be literally done with you. Remember the time he was betrayed by his girlfriend, Olivia, and he showed up at their cardboard house on the front lawn and she said, oh, you're home early from work. This is my new boyfriend. I didn't mean for you to find out like this. And what did Stewie Griffin do? He said, thank you for your time. I'm very hurt. He walked out of the house and then he barricaded the cardboard door and set the house on fire with both of them inside. This is the kind of guy we're talking about here. When he goes scorched earth, he goes literally scorched earth. 
but that's not the biggest crime. I alluded to it in the intro. He has a special ability that I've never seen before or after, and it's been referred to as Broadway Force. When Stewie Griffin wants to, he can force you into a musical number. Stewie Griffin can make you sing, make you dance, and potentially off you in the middle or end of that number, whether you want to or not. That's mind control, and I think if he wanted to, he could get a jaunty tune out there, include these two into it with top hats and canes and those you know bow ties, and they're dancing like candy stripers, and at the end, he pushes them both off a cliff. That's what Stewie Griffin does, and that's my point number two. Wow, so much to push back against, and you, you, you may have opened Pandora's box with this race to Canis. Okay, first of all, look, Stewie's, you know, he, he, he's nasty. He, he could be a master criminal himself, but I got to wonder, in a Halloween-themed episode of Family Guy where he's trick-or-treating, uh, if he's such a badass, how come a, uh, I don't know, a preteen bully came up to him and successfully took his candy, and Stewie was like, I don't know what to do, and just we had to go to Lois for help. We're Brian first, and Brian can do it, and they had to go to Lois. My whole point was, if you're such a badass, someone takes my Halloween candy, <laughs> they're ending up buried in that northern Ontario town I've been referencing. All right, on top of that, I just think Seth, Mac Seth MacFarlane would want R2-D2 and C-3PO to win this battle. Just putting that out there. Uh, a two-year-old beating an adult, that's what you know. Kevin and I were talking before the show. That's what we used to do when we were two. Not a big feat there. Scorched Earth, yeah, I get it. He's crazy. I wonder if C-3PO and R2-D2 have ever faced like crazy individuals and, you know, overlords and gangsters like Jabba the Hutt or like Darth Vader. Oh yeah, they have. They faced all these people were successfully surviving all of that stuff. Stewie Griffin is not comparing to any of them. And finally, do you know what happened the last time, really the last time someone said, hey, let's put some Star Wars stuff into a musical. We'll put C-3PO, maybe uh, R2-D into it. Yeah, here's the deal. That was the Star Wars holiday special. You want that <laughs> unleashed again? On the Earth race to Canis? I don't know. Bit. I'd say you're a monster, but a whatever bit. the next level is, congratulations, you've accomplished it. All right, let me get to my point number two. For the fans out there, my point number two is going to be really cool. Let's talk about what R2-D2 and C-3PO have accomplished, what they've done to survive or what they survived, what they've done with the Star Wars. Look, R2-D2 has, I guess you would call this extensive data. It's a library of experience and experience-based knowledge. It really takes him a millisecond to kind of access all this stuff and just kind of put that volumes of knowledge into use with his battle plans. He's making observations. He's analyzing stuff. He's making tactical decisions and a plan of, of action for himself, like within a millisecond. You got to remember, Anakin Skywalker and both Luke Skywalker never considered R2-D2 a droid. They considered him like an able warrior, a part of the team, a bad, uh, badass on his own. So let's see what he's done. He's taken out what are called Magna Guards. This is with his electric shock prod. He's completely disabled them. So they're done. They're destroyed. To put this in perspective, the Magna Guards in the Clone Wars kind of cartoon series, really cool. These were the badass droids that were Count Dooku's personal bodyguards. And also these are the same type of droids that both uh, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi had a hard time fighting in, in general. That's who R2-D2 took out. Uh, he was fighting another R2 unit that kind of went very, very evil. It's in a really sinister way, R2-D2 shoots oil at this R2 unit and then shoots in a way where the oil drips down and makes a path towards him, takes out his buzzsaw, puts it on the ground, creates some sparks to set the oil on fire, so it slowly goes up to the R2 the R2 unit he's fighting and puts him on fire and then, you know, gets him off and then shoves him off this uh, platform, sends him flying to his death. It was awesome. He took out something called a Gundark. Now, a Gundark is this fearsome, huge bear-like, even well, much bigger, almost like a dragon meets a bear monster. It's, according to the Star Wars wiki, it's the most vicious, strong, aggressive species in the galaxy. And of course, R2-D2 took that out. I think it was electric shock prod again. He's destroyed, as in destroyed, many, many, many battle droids, you know, from the Clone Wars while fighting them. In fact, in one time, he actually uh, hacked into three of them and said, hey, you're taking orders from me now. And they were calling him General. So R2-D2 is such a boss, he literally became a boss with his badasses. He's amazing. And keep in mind, while R2-D2 is, is kind of inherently good and heroic, yeah, here's the thing. He's not above killing. So in one issue of a Star Wars comic – 
They're fighting. I think R2D2 is kind of outmaneuvering this huge monster. It's like this massive monster. It looks like a Gundark. Could have been. I have no idea. It's huge. It's evil. Powerful. Made by Emperor Palpatine. So as they're, you're fighting it, they outmaneuver it. They position it so it falls off this deck or whatever. The last second, it, cl- it grabs onto it with a hand. It's dangling there. And R2D2 slowly goes towards it. And Lando Carissian comes out. He's like, no, R2, get away from it. And R2D2 just kind of looks over. Beep boop looks at it. And then shocks its hand very slowly with its electric prod, you know. And the monster goes flying off and falls to its death. R2-D2 is not above killing things because he's got that kind of attitude. In terms of Incredible Feast for C-3PO, okay, look, they're definitely not in the combative way of R2-D2. However, they may be even more impressive due to what C-3PO was able to accomplish. So, for example, I think it was in the Phantom Menace C-3PO, he was able to, like, psychologically manipulate battle droids. He psychologically manipulated droids by pretending to be a droid of a higher rank than them, so they would, like, kind of take orders from him. In the Rebels animated series, C-3PO helps his friends escape from the Empire by convincing the Empire that he and his companions are performers. How do you look at C-3PO and say, hey, Cirque du Soleil, obviously. Cool, go ahead. Uh, C-3PO was able to easily free himself from a group of smugglers by pretending to be a powerful droid gangster. How many droid gangsters are there in the Star Wars universe? Not a whole lot. I guess he somehow convinced him he was. Uh, in the Clone Wars animated series, C-3PO was able to convince a group of battle droids to actually turn against the Separatist leaders they had and fight on C-3PO's side. That's just from that intoxicating mindfuck he can do it. Look, C-3PO has convinced smugglers, droids, crime lords, gangsters, and especially Empire to not only let him go, but to go ab- absolutely believe pretty much anything he has to tell him. He's that good. See, here's the thing about C-3PO a lot of people don't get. He quickly figures out what people want to hear, what they want to accomplish, and then kind of starts saying cool compliments, massaging their egos a little bit, and then positioning wherever he needs them to be. So either he escapes, his friends escapes, he gains something out of the transaction. This person is the king. This droid is the king of the intoxicating mind fog. Put all that together, and that's bad news for Stewie Griffin. That's my point number two. I mean, you're doing the Lord's work out there, James Gavsey, trying to go for this (laughs) argument. Here are some things to talk about, though. You know, you mentioned a Halloween episode of Family Guy. Notoriously, Family Guy Halloween episodes are non-canon. Otherwise, I'd be using the one where he gets a superpower. But I'm not going to, James, because that's not canon to the show. So I'm glad that a bully stole his candy in a non-canon episode. By the way, how many Star Wars Legends things did you try to slip in there just now? Because I I counted a couple of them, and I wish you'd be honest when you started to cross the streams and blend reality with fan fiction and be honest and say it out loud when you do it because you try to present... Uh, fiction is fact and I'm not here for it, but I'm going to just keep going anyway. You said he's faced several powerful beings and survived. He's faced Darth Vader. Did he ever even touch Darth Vader or did he just get away from Darth Vader who was killing other people? He faced all these really powerful people, Jabba the Hutt. I don't remember either of them doing anything to Jabba the Hutt. They get enslaved by him. I don't understand what your argument even is there. And you're saying R2 defeated a whole bunch of what WWE 1980s fans would refer to as jobber droids sure sure these droids are set up to be knocked over like tomato cans for r2d2 so what and you mentioned r2d2 uh, uh, uh burned another droid very very slowly and then later in the same argument you said something he did something else very very slowly and i realized r2d2 is very very slow and even trying to prop him up you still have to talk about how slow he is and you say oh why couldn't he do this and that it's because r2 units can't move right and left Look at the way they're designed. They can't strafe, for God's sakes. And C-3PO is a droid gangster? Do you honestly think that's an argument that's going to work against Stewie Griffin? He's going to walk in with like a pimp hat and a cane with an eight ball on the end of it, and he's going to say, hey, I'm smooth talking droid over here. I'm a robot gangster like in Futurama. And Stewie's going to say, I better get out of here. No, he's going to blast him. He's just going to blast him, and that's my entire point. I don't know what you're doing over here, James, but it's making my head hurt. Wouldn't be the first time. You know what? I, I, I'm hoping for our fourth emotional breakthrough. Fingers crossed. This could happen this episode. All right. Listen, Kevin Israel, we are at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, you are about to tell us who's ahead and what the other side has to do to pull out the win. But before we get to what Kevin has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? We have a returning patron to the uh, to the ring, if you were. We haven't used him in a little while, so we're bringing him back for another fight. It's the one and only Nathan Fair. 
Okay, Nathan Fair, Nathan Fair. Nathan is deserving of uh, an opponent that is near and dear to race to Canis. Let's have Nathan go up against, oh, I don't know, the entire G.I. Joe team from the 1980s cartoon series. Oh, man. So here's the deal with Nathan Fair. Because Nathan Fair fighting against the entire G.I. Joe team, I can't help but feel like these Patreon battles have just started to bend towards people that James knows I likes over and over again instead of him actually being creative. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is that Nathan Fair will have the entire Joe team coming in on his position. So you got Sky Strikers. You've got uh, Awe Strikers. Ooh, good naming. You've got, uh, you know, you've got the helicopters, the Dragonfly helicopters coming in. All of the different G.I. Joe characters coming out in this position. And they're going to land right there. And then Nathan Fair is going to stare them all down. They've got the laser beams on them. They're ready to go. And he's just going to look right at them. And he's going to say, I dare you. All of you shoot me at once right now. And every single one, they're all going to look at each other like, I don't know, we can do this. Like, hey, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a human. I don't know. Okay. And then they shoot him all at the same time. And in true 1980s G.I. Joe fashion, they all miss simultaneously from point blank range. Nathan Fair looks, do I need do more? And all the Joe team will just take off because they've never seen somebody this powerful. And all he was doing was being a little unfair. Nathan Fair takes it. Battlefield removal. Wow, wow. It's almost like the, the G.I. Joe team, uh, out of Dismayed to Race to Canis, would actually bring in Nathan Fair as the ultimate person to take out. I'm just kind of going where I would love to see the series. Right. Give him a call. Congratulations, Nathan Fair. All right, remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, back to the turning point. Kevin, you've had a moment upon our two points for both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? You know, coming out of round one, I was giving it to Stewie Griffin. Ray made a lot of great points as far as what he's able to invent, the fact that he might be able to shut down the droids, his intellect. It, it, was, it was really leaning. And then... Uh, James came with the, with the point that C-3PO is, he's a, he's a smooth talker. He's slick. He, he's cultured. He's everything that, you know, might appeal to Stewie Griffith. And I, you know, I think that might be a weakness. I think that might be a real chink in Stewie's armor and distract him and get him off his game. Uh, so, you know, right now at, at the end of round two, I'm really leaning to the droid duo. Displeased. And there you have it. Congratulations. Oh, we, that's not the winner yet. I totally misread that. Okay, that's fine. We have one more point from Ray Sicanis and myself. Ray, I'm not counting you out of this. Stewie Griffin's very multifaceted, very talented. So let's see what you got. Hit us for your point number three. Point number three for Stewie Griffin. There is a massive power level disparity between these two sets of characters, all right? These robots get creamed constantly. They get smashed, obliterated, destroyed. R2-D2 was broken down at least three times alongside Anakin Skywalker, including the last two prequels and the Clone Wars animated series. And he broke down an additional four more times alongside Luke in all three of the movies, R2-D2 was taken out of commission at least at least at one point per each movie. R2-D2 is a liability. He, he can take no damage and he can do minimal damage and C-3PO can't do any damage at all, but he can talk up a good game and get you to like put him in your entourage. That's his big way of surviving is he convinces Jabba the Hutt that like, hey, your protocol droid just broke down. Use me. I won't break down. He's like, ah, oh, you can stick around. I don't really care. But that's not going to be anything against a character like Stewie Griffin. Remember, R2-D2 got hit with a Jawa's laser and that was it. He had to be dragged to the ship. <laughs> One laser shot from a Jawa, and I don't think they're possessing the pinnacle of technology like Stewie Griffin is with his laser pistols. And they've been dismantled. Look, C-3PO was torn into pieces, and then uh, Chewbacca had to walk around with C-3PO in pieces on his back in a net. That's what I think of when I think of R2-D2 and C-3PO. I don't think the, 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 the greatest fighters since Brock Lesnar when I, when I get them in a battle like this. Look, Stewie, on the other hand, has wins over evil version of himself, a win over Bertram, his, uh, what was he, in, in, the, in the womb twin, right? Sheldon, the murderous turtle, he's got a win over Sheldon. Who do these people have wins over that even have a name? 
That's the entire point. In a time they went back in time, Stewie was able to, against Bertram, was able to break into Leonardo da Vinci's lab, grab a flying device just there, and then fly it away and fly it well enough to do dog fights with it up in the air. A thing he just saw. And he's also very, very durable. Stewie is a character who tanked a literal brick to the face. He is a two-year-old. He had a full-force brick thrown at his head, knock him down, and he was back up again within about 10 seconds. He's also been hit by a bus. He's also been a passenger in a small helicopter crash that crashed into the side of a mountain, threw him from the cockpit, and he got up and walked away from that. And he also survived a fight with Adam West. Who fights Adam West and walks away from it? Only Stewie Griffin. Definitely not the Joker, Penguin, Riddler, Mr. Freeze, King Tut, anybody from that show. I could name 20 more, but this is only a shorter segment, so I'm not going to do it. Listen, he also has the big thing that I haven't talked about yet. Stewie Griffin has the Toon Force. As a cartoon character, and who knows he's a cartoon character, he has literal Toon Force. We've seen him many times in many fights, Pull weapons out of absolute thin air. That'd be guns, laser guns, a flamethrower at one point in the Oval Office while he was fighting Lois. If he wants to have a weapon at any given time, you ask James, he can only have so many things on him. With Toon Force, he can have everything on him and only the things he needs in that moment. And and with Toon Force, he once turned himself into a Russian doll, pulled his head off, jumped out, pulled his head off, jumped out. These are Bugs Bunny feats. These two droids have no answer for somebody who can do the literal impossible. One time when riding on a water flume ride at like Disneyland with a whole other family, they asked him to duck down for the picture. He said, I'm not going to duck down. And he jumped on the back and stood on the back of the flume. And the pictures were of him decapitated and the next family on the next flume holding his head in horror. And he walked away from that. Toon Force. They can't do anything that's going to keep him down with that power. He's got regeneration, all of the above. He's done slow motion diving. And the last thing to talk about, my favorite gun I saw him use in a battle, an EMP gun. He can make EMPs happen at will. He had a laser pistol. He recalibrated it slightly to shoot an EMP. And what happens when you shoot these droids with an EMP? They stop functioning. End of battle. We're done here. That's it. Go home. And that's my point number three. So much to push back on. All right. First of all, look. I bet you'd like Stewie to try. Griffin, it, it's fun to watch him, you know, kind of do some physical stuff. Because, yeah, he's got some cool feats. But, man, this guy gets wrecked physically a lot. I'll explain more of that in my point number three. You know, Stewie's been living with his family in Quahog for decades now. And that's cool. But, you know... R2-D2 and C-3PO have been in a, I don't know, constant state of of a war, at least finding themselves in the middle of it for a galactic war for decades as well. And they came out of that pretty, pretty good. Don't think Stewie would have had the same success rate. And finally, if Stewie had Toon Force, if Stewie really had Toon Force, when Brian died tragically so long ago and Stewie had already broken his time machine because he's like, ah, just bad stuff happens with it. We don't need it. I'm going to get rid of it. He throws it. He breaks it so it's damaged. They can't use it. Then Brian gets killed. I don't want to provide any details. I'm super sad. Where was the Toon Force there, Race to Canis? Where was the Toon Force to resurrect Brian? Where was the Toon Force for Stewie to make a new time machine out of, like, I don't know, a MacGyverism type of sticks and bubble gum and, you know, maybe Peter's glasses? I don't know. Where was the Toon Force? It wasn't there, Race to Canis. It wasn't there. The Toon Force exists when it's there for a comedic effect, not to push the story dramatically forward. That's how it works in that story. Now, let me get to my point number three. I'm getting very passionate about this. And my point number three... Look, I'm just going to kind of say it. These two, R2-D2 and C-3, they're an incredible team. Stewie will have no idea what R2-D2 will be saying or doing. Beep, boop, beep, boop. We don't know what he's saying. We kind of understand the, the emotional content, but not really exactly what's happening. But he's going to be hearing everything C-3PO will be saying, and that will be the key. Look, C-3PO... And R2, they've accomplished a lot together on their own. I've already mentioned they survived galactic wars, blah, 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 blah. They've been blasted, caught in explosions, been in countless situations where death was staring them right in the eye, yet somehow they survived it all. From Emperor Palpatine taking over the galaxy to Darth Vader wanting to kill the rebellion with them in it, to even worse, sitting through the theatrical releases of the Star Wars sequels, R2, D2, and C-3PO have survived it all, Race to Canis. Look, Stewie's done some cool stuff. He really has. 
But when it comes to experience of fighting, he's got some, but not the same. It really does pale in comparison with what R2 and D2, R2, D2 and C3PO have actually done. And again, these two, they know how to communicate with each other. They know each other inside and out, literally. They know how to operate as a team, which is going to be a huge factor in this fight. And on top of that, Stewie Griffin, he's got some huge weaknesses that R2, D2 and C3PO will take advantage of. Now, first of all, again, Stewie's a two-year-old. He's a genius. Sure, he's a pretty good fighter, but he can bleed. He can't take a fall down a flight of stairs. He can get knocked out. And he's still lacking common sense. For example, he has no idea how to use a toilet. He has no idea how to deal with a trick-or-treating bully. I already mentioned that. And he believed that Peter Griffin had actually disappeared during a game of peekaboo. This guy can be fooled. And even with all that, Stewie's still super vain. He's super arrogant. He believes he knows everything about everything. He's like a small version of Ray Sicanus, but luckily Ray knows how to use the bathroom and he's got some good social skills. Now, on top of that, Stewie, he has been injured severely where he's either incapacitated, knocked out or worse from being tackled in a Little League football game by four, you know, equivalent age. Let's say there were four-year-olds, twice as old as Stewie Griffin. He got tackled by four of them and he was a mess on the field, broken arms and everything and couldn't get up. He was taken out. Falling down the stairs, his head's broken wide open. He had his arm dislocated and just couldn't do anything physically. He had glass embedded into his head and was kind of out of it. This kid, I hate to say it, takes a lot of damage and gets hurt. Here's another weakness that will come into play. You know, Stewie actually does have a fear of robots. How do I know that? In one particular episode, Brian is looking at Peter Griffin's old albums and he pulls out this cover. I think it was called News of the World. It was an album by Queen. And all of a sudden, Stewie's like, oh my God, what is that? He's scared out of his mind by what's on the album cover. And what was it? It was a picture of a robot, a robot that looked very similar to C-3PO. And that entire episode, Stewie's like running away from Brian whenever Brian has that album cover because Stewie just, it's a robot. He can't even tell it's the album cover until Brian says, no, it is. And Stewie puts a corner of the album cover into his mouth and all of a sudden realizes, oh yeah, the robot's not really here. It's just a picture. It took him that long. Now I'm going to tell you, C-3PO is not going to like put out his fingers and say, go ahead and put my finger in your mouth, Stewie, so you can tell, and it was sounding really horrible, that I'm actually here. But he's going to be scared of his mind of C-3PO because an album cover made him go crazy. Now, the real weakness that Stewie has, he gets distracted while fighting, as in he almost always gets distracted. And it's not a quick distraction, by the way. It's typically a long, drawn-out distraction, which has led him to losing the fight or not being able to save the day. In the middle of the fight, Stewie Griffin has been distracted by a butterfly, a toy train, a squirrel, a thought of him wearing a cape, a funny joke he heard earlier, a shiny object, and so much more. But what really distracts Stewie and has left him wide open being beaten and, and taken out and losing is a well-placed compliment. And no one can deliver a compliment better than C-3PO. So here's how the fight goes down. Look, it's going to be crazy. C three, uh, R2-D2 and Stewie are going to be blasting each other. R2-D2's in the air. The whole thing is going down. Stewie's going to knock R2-D2 down. R2-D2's going to slowly get back up. And as he's saying that, he's like, not bad for a two-year-old. And C-3PO's going to say, oh my. Such power and fighting ability from a two-year-old. I've never seen such a thing. And Stewie's like, well, you know, I am quite great. Thank you for noticing. You know, the other day, and that's when R2-D2 takes him out with the electric shock prod, with the flamethrower, with all his other good stuff, and takes him out. Listen, when it comes to common sense and being fooled, Stewie Griffin's going to fall for it. That's why he loses. That's why R2-D2 and C-3PO win. That's my point number three. I mean, sure, James, why not? That seems uh, like ludicrous to me, but here's one things I want to talk about to wrap this whole thing up. Uh, Stewie Griffin asked, where was Stewie's tune for us when Brian the dog died and he broke his time machine? I don't know, James. Maybe it was two episodes later on Family Guy when Stewie used his time machine to bring Brian back to life for a Christmas episode. That was it. <laughs> He only stayed dead for two episodes because Stewie's Toon Force brought him back for Christmas. And you talked a lot about a lot of the damage that Stewie's took glass in the face and whatnot. Okay, you notice he doesn't have glass in his face three seconds later in that same fight, does he? That's Toon Force regeneration. You only reinforced my points for me. You said Stewie Griffin doesn't do well when he goes down a flight of stairs. I'm all, oh, oh, how does R2-D2 handle stairs? Am I missing something? Or does he not just flop forward and fall down the stairs and break down? Because that's the R2-D2 that I know. And don't forget, Stewie Griffin made a hot, smart robot friend who was a lot like Astro Boy at one point. So when there's a guy who understands robotics, who knows how to shut them down, who knows how to handle them, Stewie Griffin is, is a lot like Rick Sanchez in that. He can just do it kind of at a whim whenever he wants to, how this battle actually goes. They're standing in front of each other. Stewie needs the, we'll say Stewie needs the plans for the Death Star. That's how I posited it at the beginning. 
Stewie's going to pull out his laser pistol and shoot both of them, and they're both going to go straight down. R2-D2's going to slightly make some sounds. He's going to pull out his laser gun. He's going to shoot him 72 more times. He's just going to use a mobile device and pull the plans from him, and then he's going to go back into his ship and fly away. This is not a difficult battle to put together. This is a flat-out stomp. Interesting fan fiction coming from Ray Sicanus. All right, listen, Kevin. You got to do this. You've heard three points from both Ray and myself. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Stewie Griffin and R2-D2 and C-3PO. You know, I think this is going to be a really ugly, gory battle. I think there's going to be a lot of violence. I think there's going to be maybe maybe some loss on one of the sides. I, You know, I, I, I like I said, I've been back and forth. You guys had me ping-ponging. Uh, I, I think... Stewie and and R2 would really go at it. I think there would be a, a, a serious laser fight. I think there'd be a lot of shots exchanged. I think R2 would have to go through his entire artillery to to take on what Stewie will pull out of his pants, as as Ray so eloquently put it. It it it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be an ugly battle. But I and I I think C three PO will really like you said, James. I I think C three PO would really appeal to the weakness that is Stewie's ego. Uh, but you know, in the end, I have to. I I hate to say it, the Toon Force got me. The Toon Force got me, and it gets me every time. It took me back to my days of Roger Rabbit, and I think in the end, Stewie would take out R two D two. I think he'd reprogram C-3PO and they would make the most perfect cartoon droid couple the universe has ever seen. It's got to go to football head Stewie Griffin. Uh, Of course it does. I kind of disagree. I see your logic. I see your logic. I kind of disagree, but I already won the fight before it started. Because the real battle for me, Kevin Israel, and Ray, this is where we have our fourth emotional breakthrough, wasn't whether I got the win for R2-D2 and C-3PO. It was the fact that I got R2-D2 finally on a who-would-win battle Mm -hmm. with Ray Stacanus for years saying it'll never happen, and we made it happen. It was a win for me today. Kevin Israel was here, which is another big win, and Ray Stacanus and I had our fourth emotional breakthrough. We are connecting like no one's business. Congratulations, Ray Stacanus. Tell the Legion of Audience how you feel. I know what you're feeling right now, James, because I felt it last season when I finally got Captain Carrot on the show and then was thrown defeat right in my face with it. I know how you're feeling. You can't lie to me. You can lie to all the people out there. You can lie to our judge, Kevin Israel. You can lie to yourself in the mirror, but you can't lie to me. I know exactly what you're feeling, and I know the shame and the sadness that will overtake you. Of course, I feel those emotions 100 times greater than you do, so you'll probably be over this the second the red light goes off and we stop recording. I'm sorry, what am I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling really happy right now, what were you saying? Listen, Kevin Israel, I gotta tell you, you're an amazing judge. I love how you used your logic. You were kind of, you were, you were very honest. You were saying you were going back and forth. You were ping-ponging, if you will. And this couldn't have been easier for you because you are evidently huge fans of both R2-D2 and C-3PO and Stewie Griffin. So my hat is off to you for doing a great job as judge. I didn't get the win, but emotionally, I got the win of having my one of my favorite characters on the show and also having this a great emotional breakthrough with Ray Stacanus. I may have mentioned that before. So with that being said, please come back to the show Bring back your magic. And in the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you. First of all, thank you guys for having me back. Of all the episodes I've done, this was probably one of the toughest decisions I've had to make. So I I appreciate being part of this and getting to see James' dream come true. It's just seeing the shine in his eyes. He's like a kid. That warms the cockles of my heart. So I'm happy to be here for that. And again, Kevin Israel, uh, I'm a comedian. Based in New Jersey, you can find me at kevinisrael.com. I have an album, The Struggle is Real. You can get on iTunes and everywhere you buy audio-type stuff. And I love you guys. I love being on the show. And thanks for having me back. And I look forward to coming back again. I love, we love you, too. Ray, go ahead and say it. What am I saying? You, we love, you love Kevin Israel? Look, in the pantheon <laughs> of all judges we've had on the show... Kevin Israel definitely ranks among them somewhere. Today, I can safely say he's the best judge of season five by a lot. 
This is why we can't have nice things, Kevin Israel. Uh, All right, I'll, listen. I'll take it. Uh, Race Canis. Yeah, you know, that's what it's a thing. Race Canis, congratulations. Another great win. Great season so far. It. Tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you. Obviously, you're witnessing one of the most impressive streaks in the history of competition. You thought Bill Goldberg's WCW streak of like 300 wins in a row as champion was impressive? Well, you're watching true greatness in your eyes as I took a two-year-old infant and defeated a full-grown and a half-sized robot killer assassin. Yes, that's right. I took a baby and beat a Terminator today. That's all you need to know about how great Ray is and about how I'm dominating every single fight I do this season on the Who Would Win show. Quite frankly, James is no longer a challenge. I've said it before. I will likely say it again next week, the week after, the week after, to infinity. If you would like to take the role of James Gavsey on this show, if you think, if you think you could do a better job than James Gavsey, I'm going to tell you right now, go on Twitter or go on Facebook, and I want you to go hashtag James's replacement, okay? James's replacement. I don't know exactly how you spell it, but make sure you get it right or I won't see it. And I want you to give yourself one minute. You only get one minute for this audition, and I want you to record yourself doing a better job with R2-D2 and C-3PO than James did today. If you can convince me and the board that you would have won this battle that he so clearly lost, maybe, just maybe, you'll get a chance to replace James on the show. You can find me on Twitter, at Almighty Ray. Now, make sure that you send these... Um these reels that you will, these attempts to audition for this role to the executive producer, the decision maker of the show, you can reach that person by going to Twitter and typing in at James Gavsey. Make sure that you, the executive producer sees everything that you send and they'll let you know if you can replace James Gavsey uh, as the, everything for the show. All right. I'm listen. rooting for all of you. Here's the thing, Ray. Listen, you could try to replace me. The sponsors wouldn't like it. The advertisers wouldn't like it. A lot of the guest <laughs> judges wouldn't like it, too. But that's fine. And I'll tell you why. Because I get my wins the way I get my wins just when I do. But I guarantee you things are about to turn around. I am such on a positive high with the fact I got R2-T2 on a Who Would Win episode I, I don't know. I'm going to be fantastic all week. So listen, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Let me know, as you always do, what's going on, what you thought of the show, and how I did, or how I did. I'm open to all of it. And remember, more importantly, join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show. And to be part of our growing community, you can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Canis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would win we'll see you next time hey it's brent pope the host of breakfast with brent pope you've seen me on some of your favorite tv shows saying things like give it up jimmy you gotta sink this putt to win on Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Hey, gang. I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash hoodwinshow right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.